Thank you. I feel like we could just quit now. Um, I, uh, I love, along with many of you this day, um, I love it when we get to hear stories uh, like Holly's. And it's funnier when you know the backstory to something, you know, and then you watch something like that or hear someone else tell it. You're like, oh, but there's that too, but there's that. That was like an hour interview with like lots of tears. And even that was just like a reminder of all of the things and the ways that something that in a lot of ways there was aspects of life that were just were dead that had been raised again. I love this day because it it reminds me of certain things about what I believe about fear. It reminds me what I believe about um, today being really all I'm promised. It, it reminds me um, that there are a, a number of stories, and, and there are, there's one dominant one that leaves me unsatisfied, which is that this is just simply all there is. Death has as much sting as it ever has. It will kick around for five, six, seven, eight decades if we're lucky and then be out. That, that all the pain and brokenness and hurt of the world uh, is, is the only real story out there. And that only those who get a lucky break, only those who have a, a better lot in life than somebody else, only those born into privilege, only those, whatever it is, are the ones that kind of make it through without too much despair. Now there's something about this day that reminds me that there's a truer story about the world. And I love it. I'm going to start in a way that is probably not the best way to start on Easter Sunday, but we're going to do it anyway. Ephesians 1. I'm going to read through this verse, and if those of you who are unfamiliar with the scriptures, you're going to be like, what? And that's okay. Stay with the what, and then we'll keep going. This is a writer named Paul. And he's writing to a church in Ephesus, and he, we're getting all these glimpses of what Jesus is doing in the world. Why do we come to church? What's God up to? Why are a bunch of people gathering together? And what does it mean to align yourself with Jesus? What does it mean to bring yourself as a metaphor like under like the head of Jesus, to, to, to walk the way of Jesus, to trust the story of Jesus, to, to, to walk with it with others? This is what Paul writes. He, he's talking about Jesus, made known to us the mystery of his will. I'm sorry, speaking of, of God the Father. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Let me stop there. God is psyched. God, the God is a God of pleasure. What he's about to tell us is he, he was really, it filled him with pleasure to show us his will. That's kind of cool. To put, which he purposed in Jesus, who's showing it to us in Jesus. Verse 10, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is the phrase I want to focus on for a minute, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. This phrase, if you go to the next slide, has a number of different meanings. 
to bring unity is to like sum up. So it actually, you find it in language that has roots that, that spend a lot of words in math, like a number of different parts that add up together. You have to gather up. So gather up a bunch of different pieces of things to bring together, to bring unity. It kind of makes sense, right? Third is to, re, to recapitulate. Can everyone say recapitulate? You can't even say it. Um, recapitulate, a way to say that is to retell. And that's actually where we're going to land to retell. And then the last one is to bring to a head. So to focus everything. Something, Jesus is doing something in the world, apparently. It brings God great pleasure to show us what God's, what, what he's doing. And he's doing it through Jesus. So something about his, his birth and his life and his death and then specifically his resurrection. He's showing us his will and he's somehow bringing all things together. He's summing all things up. And the most helpful picture when you look at the rest of the scriptures is this word retell. He's retelling something. This is the actual Greek word. I'd like everyone to take a stab at that. Ready? On three. One, two, three. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Fail. On three. One, two, three. Please tell me you got that on video. <laughs> the beginning part of this word simply means again, and the last part again means head, to bring it again to a head, to recapitulate, to retell, to bring it all back into order. It's like there's a story that's been told a certain way from a certain perspective through a certain lens. And then you, if you retell it, if you recapitulate it, you tell that same story in a different way. It's like looking back on something and to retell it with a different ending or meaning than it originally had. Paul is simply saying everything is being retold in Jesus. Look at the story in the life and the resurrection of Jesus. And you're seeing something about the story of the world. And you're going to learn something about what it means to be a part of it and to be unified with it. You're going to learn something about the story of the world, and then you're going to learn what it means to be unified with it. Here's an example. Um, I love being asked the question uh, about how my wife and I met. I love those sorts of stories. I love asking people, like, how did you meet? And usually people light up. There's always that moment, too, where you're, like, sitting next to the person, right? And you're like, how did you meet? All right, let's say it was asked to me, and you turn, you're like... You know, and then you're, 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 maybe your significant other's like, <laughs> you're like making all these really weird gestures for a minute and the other person's not there. Heads up, it's super awkward. Um, and so you begin to retell the story. So for our story, right, we, we end up telling it like this. Um, yeah, it was, we've known each other for a really long time. And then um, there was this great dinner that we had that was sort of this accidental connection. I was actually meeting uh, up with my, my, my now wife's uh, sister, and we were like going out um, after a church service or something, and we were hanging out, and then uh, as my, my oldest sister-in-law now describes it, I just suddenly really only started talking to Corey, and she started fading in the different distance. I'm sorry, Whitney, if you're out there. No, no harm. And so I, I began to just like talk to Corey more and then we started to hang out. We were sort of going back and forth and, you know, neither of us really knew what we fully wanted. Um, and then um, a good friend of mine, a good girlfriend of mine told me, you know, Andrew, if she's the one, you've always needed a woman who's going to like kick your butt. You know, and she didn't mean physically necessarily, um, but, but, you know, hey, who knows. Um, 
But she meant like somebody who can just like like cut through all your emotional romantic over the top and it just like tether you a little bit, like ground you in reality. Someone who's not going to be like swept up in all your, like you need, you need someone like that. This is a good friend and she was accurate. I am a healthier person now because of my wife. So we tell this story and then, so, so knowing that we're going back and forth and we don't know what we're going to date and then all of a sudden I get the phone call. And I love this part of the story when we tell this story. So I get the phone call. She's at school, and she calls, and she's like, hey, look, Andrew, this is how I remember it. Hey, look, Andrew, I- I'm starting to have feelings for you, like, more and more, and this has really got to go somewhere. We've been kind of spinning for a while. So, like, if you're in, like, let's do this, and if you're not, like, I got to bounce. I don't think she used the word bounce, if you know, Corey. <laughs> I don't know where to, I just, I'm retelling the story in the way that I want to retell it. She basically was like, I'm out. I'm out. And in that moment, I don't know if any of you guys are wired this way, you have a moment where you're like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> right? Like, like, just all of a sudden, I wasn't like offended, how dare you give an ultimatum. It was like the softest, gentlest ultimatum, but it was an ultimatum. And I was like, I love you, let's do this thing, you know? And like six months later, we were married, literally. I mean, we were engaged, sorry, we were engaged. Um, it was, it was this moment, right? So that's, that's the way we tell the story. How great it was. Then next Thanksgiving, we were like saying, I love you to one another. It was just, it was magic. Isn't that a great moment? Yeah, that's my wife holding me to the fire. She snapped me out of my malaise. That time was super stressful. I did not know what I want. I had just gotten out of another relationship. I'm like going back and forth. I'm like feeling all this anxiety. Is she really the one? There's all these other reasons that were floating out there that I was like, nothing to do with her, like with me. Like, is this really a good thing? And I'm like going back and forth and back and forth. And then if you were to ask Corey how she was doing during this time, she's like having like cry fest conversations with her best friend. Like, I don't even know what he wants. Is he really into this? Like, this was awful. But we retell it with such joy. It's like, this is the best story ever. It's like, no. What were once the worst parts of the story, it's like when they're retelling them, they become the best parts. According to Paul, God is retelling everything. All the fractured, broken parts that are laying scattered all over the place of your story and the story of humanity. Somehow in God, it brings God pleasure. This is what God is doing He's seeing flowers come up through the pavement. He's gathering all things together. He uses this language actually all the time. I just want to give you a really quick overview. Next slide. He he says in um, in Acts chapter 3, one writer says, until the time that comes for God to restore all things. When Paul writes in Colossians in chapter 1, it says he was pleased through Jesus to reconcile himself all things. This is like literally everything. Whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then Jesus actually in 19 says, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things. He's saying restoring, reconciling, renewing, all of this. He's bringing back, he's bringing all things back together. And so Easter is a foretaste of this. We're told that something like the risen Jesus, this gets super mysterious and it's okay if you can't quite grab onto it. But we're told in the scriptures that, like the, that Jesus rising from the dead is like the beginning of heaven breaking into earth. He's the first fruits is the language that's used. This is like the beginning of a new season. There's something new happening. And when you unite yourself to this story, 
when you begin to attach yourself. It's one, on a really humanistic level, I just think it's a better way to live. I think it's a better story than the alternative story that none of this all matters. And it's, I just Practically, if your imaginary friend causes you to believe this story, go with your imaginary friend. <laughs> but a lot of us actually here believe this is actually what's true about the world. We actually believe that this is what's happening, that heaven is breaking forth in the midst of this world and that when we unite ourselves with Jesus, we begin to understand that all of the broken and fractured and hurting bits, all the heartache and all the pain and all the things that don't quite make sense at the moment, all the things we see in our world, that God is inviting us into the story of Easter, of resurrection, of new life, that ultimately death one writer says, as we saw in the beginning, has lost its sting. We don't need to fear death anymore. And frankly, a bunch of people wandering around believing that they don't need to fear death because of what God will do in terms of reconciling all things in heaven and that God is using even the most broken parts that all the good things that we're about and participate in in Jesus actually go on in heaven. People who believe that sort of thing are dangerous people in the world. Dangerous people who don't believe that they have anything to fear. Dangerous people who are willing to charge into the brokenness and hurt given to them, inherited or around them with a sense that Jesus has gone before him, the first fruits of raising new life. Let me bring this closer to home. Anyone know the story of the prodigal son? It's really a story of two sons. And really, if you want to get down to it, it's the story of a father. So the real quick recap is you have dad. This is a parable, a story that Jesus tells to help make sense of who he is and who God is and what it means to be in relationship with him. So here's the story. You have the father figure who represents God. His, the youngest son in the family says, I, I want to leave home and all the money that you were going to give me when you die, will you just give me that now? That would be offensive now at this time in day and age when this story would have been told this is just out of control offensive. So you, you uh, cause there's two levels. There's just now offensive and out of control offensive. I don't know. <laughs> so he goes, the youngest son goes, and many of you know this story. Uh, he squanders his money. He, Jesus tells, he just, he ruins his life and he comes crawling back, groveling to the father. Now, all the while, there's the oldest son who is out in the fields doing all the work, being the good kid. Any oldest kids out there? Yeah, like you're the ones who were like really responsible or you were at least able to hide all your junk easier than the middle one, right? So this is the oldest son. He's out doing all the good things. So he hears that the youngest son has come back and the father, instead of being angry with him, this is the nature of God, runs up the road and meets the prodigal son who's run off and says, come home, drapes him with all the, like, the most beautiful of things and says, we are going to throw a party. We are going to throw a, a, like the biggest party. And the oldest son is frustrated. He goes, I've been doing everything right, everything right. And, and, and you welcome this kid home? What happens in this story is a retelling the oldest son believes that he's entitled. You never gave me a party. He's bitter and he's angry. And this is what the father figure in Jesus' story says. He says, everything I have is yours. 
The oldest says, this scum comes home, and you throw him a party. And the father says to the oldest, your version of this story is incredibly lame. That's your vision of the story? You are ungrateful. You could have had a party anytime. So the father pivots to the oldest son and retells, like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not about my love for you. Everything I have is yours. I imagine the father just being like, are you serious right now? Like, do you need a hug? Like, I've given you everything. How could we not celebrate that, that, our, that my son who was lost is now found? The youngest son, he retells his story. The youngest son comes home. And he's about to charge into this whole speech about how I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I did everything wrong, give me a second, please, 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 I'll, I'll take whatever, I'll just be a servant, you don't even have to acknowledge me as a son. The father says, your version of your story is so lame, I have it a little bit different. I, 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 come home to me. I, I get you, you messed up, come home. This is the nature of the father, a love that meets you right where you're at. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He runs up the road. Paul, in this Ephesians, this verse we started with, is simply saying he's retelling stories all over the world. God's saying, let me tell you how I see you. Let me tell you how these things are going to map together. Let me tell you what's happening here. Let me invite you into the opportunity for new life to come up in the midst of whatever's happening. Now, let me be clear about one thing. This is not like, gla like glass half full stuff. This is not just like, look on the bright side. I was like, sometimes when you start talking about this, this is sort of an old understanding of the cross and resurrection, recapitulation, right? You can find whole books on what I'm talking about right now. And, and what's interesting is in the scriptures, this isn't about like, just look on the bright side when the hard stuff comes. I'm sure there's a plan. No, no, actually, in 2 Corinthians 1.8, this is what you actually get from the writer, same writer. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, he's writing to another church, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul's saying, I want you to know that I have endured hardships far beyond my ability to endure, I've been shipwrecked, he's been stoned. Like, like it, has been, it has not gone well for many people in the early church. So bad that he thought he was going to die. So I, I mentioned this, is that to retell doesn't mean to wrap up with a nice like Christian bow. He says, I was in over my head and I was certain I was going to, to die. To be a Christian is to acknowledge and be honest when we walk through hell and back. It's to be honest. Paul goes on, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Here, Paul makes reference to Easter. He continues, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. There is a better story. There is a better story. There's something else happening. And when we unite ourselves, when we begin to trust 
God's grace, that we are loved where we are at and that God is transforming all the broken and shattered bits and wants to retell our story to give new life and fresh start and new day. It's what every person I would argue longs for in the depths of their consciousness. And it's shown in the person of Jesus. He's the first fruits. He's the beginning of this new world breaking forth. It's like the future rushing back into the present and saying, look, there's a reason why our calendars and everything about even our secular world pivot on this date of Jesus. There's something about that name. Amen. So, I was talking to a friend the other day. I walked into um, a coffee shop, and one of those friends that you can go to like zero to 100 with really, really quickly. Anyone have friends like that? You like see him for two seconds, like, hey, what's up? Tell me about your deepest, darkest issues. Let's go. <laughs> and just somehow we like plunged right into like, whoa, okay. Next slide. So, um, my friend found out um, that the uh, they had a number of kids. They had a number of kids, and um, they had found out they were pregnant again. They're really excited about this, and then they uh, they found out that the child uh, had Down syndrome. This is a, a this is a friend of mine who's a follower of Jesus, and. He kind of knew the answers and where to slot them all in and what to, what to think in a way, like what he was told to think. And so he just had this moment where it's like, what do I do? This changes a lot about your life. And so he's sitting there battling between grieving, choosing to be excited, not even being able to start like reading things on all the beautiful aspects of what it is to have a child with, with disability. And he told me that the most honest moment and the most recent moment that he heard God speak to him very clearly was he walked outside onto his porch. They'd already had, again, a number of kids. And he walks out onto his porch and he just, just goes, he just goes, God, why didn't we quit while we were ahead? I love that prayer because it's not like the right prayer, right? It's the honest prayer. Why didn't we quit while we were ahead? And he said he heard with the clearest and the clearest way he's ever heard the voice of God well up in his chest. He said, who said you were ahead? Who said you were ahead? Who said you're now behind? Who said I was done retelling your story? We taste death all the time. We taste brokenness all the time. We have things stripped away from us all the time. What if we don't need to fear that? What if there is something happening in the world? What if there is even more, a more true reality breaking in? What if in that moment, and this is what he said, this how this, this phrase kind of just all of a sudden like washed over. It wasn't just a statement of like, hey, who said you were in control? No, no. It was that. <laughs> but he said it just was this like, what then are you going to retell in light of this? In light of this child that so many would say like disregard, manage, 
But when the reality that death and brokenness and despair at our doorstep, with mo which most of us have experienced in some way or capacity, the invitation from Easter is that death doesn't have the last word. That brokenness doesn't have the last word. We have a God who says, let me have a crack at your story. This is the God who wastes nothing. Nothing. Let me have a crack at your story. We serve a God that says, give me a heart attack. Give me your addiction. Give me your mistakes. Give me your mental illness. Give me your paralysis. I have some stories I can tell about that. I have some stories that I can tell about that. What stories do you have in your head about who you are and the shame that you carry? Actually, Easter reminds us that God has raised us from our shame and our sin. He has forgiven us and set us free. I can't tell you how many modern, enlightened people feel weird about showing up to church because of stuff they did. Right? Like as if a night at Foxwoods could like ruin like the whole relationship with God. You have that much power. As though like your past, your thing that you did. Like you, we give ourselves far too much credit. This is the God who raises the dead. I have some stories that I can tell. Your version seems a bit lame. Or I know this is hard. I know this is hard. But let me re-pick up all the pieces, all this shattered stuff, and let's retell this story. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> a Quentin Tarantino movie, right? If you've seen, um, especially his early work, you have no idea what the is going on. <laughs> Amen? It's like, what's happening? There's like 18 fragments, and then all of a sudden, right, you have... God is gathering up all the pieces and all the shared stories, and he's saying, look, you can see this and trust that I am raising new life. Trust me with your life. The most common phrase that's talked about of salvation, becoming a Christian, the most common one is this phrase, in Christ. God has done something on the cross and the resurrection and all the mystery of the Christian faith that we can be in Christ in union with Christ, align ourselves with Christ. That because he lives, there is a new story being told. He's gathering everything under the head. That we can come into alignment with a better way to live. Not just a better way to live. We can come into alignment with what is true about us. That we are loved and forgiven and set free. We can come into alignment about who we are and what God's doing in the world. We can come into alignment and trust that death doesn't have the last word. We can trust this story about who God says that we are. Love children of God. Or we cannot. But it doesn't change what is true about the world. It doesn't change what is true about this story. Easter is the story of death being retold. Frederick Buechner says this, resurrection means the first thing, never the last thing. First thing, that pain, that brokenness, that disconnection, that shame, that mistake. 
is never the last thing. Easter resurrection announces that divorce doesn't have the last word. Resurrection announces that the eating disorder doesn't have the last word. Resurrection announces that the listlessness and the feeling purposeless and your dead-end job, actually that's not the bigger story being told in your life right now. Resurrection tells us that infertility doesn't have the last word. Resurrection tells us loneliness doesn't have the last word. Resurrection tells us actually that there's a larger story that we can be a part of in the everyday moments of our life and that because he lives, not only can we face tomorrow, but we can thrive and fly in tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And because I know he holds the future, right? Because we see the future go from the future into the present in the resurrection. He's the first fruits of this new heaven. We see heaven come rushing back because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living because he lives, because he lives, because he lives. God, I pray for my friends here, those I know and don't, those I go to brunch with and bars with, those I see passing by on the road, those I've never met, these, this collection of people from this city and this area who are here for all sorts of reasons. Why? I pray. sing for a moment just to close our time and there's going to be a bunch of folks up front if you just need some prayer maybe before you head out we're doing great on time there's no rush your kids are happy I think I have no idea actually I believe in faith that your kids are happy take a moment maybe you can come and pray or maybe it's too weird to sort of come down in the service and when we close the service, they're going to stay up here. Maybe for you today, you just simply need to say, yeah, I want to trust this story. Don't leave here just saying that in your mind. Like, come and tell somebody. Just say, I want to trust this story. Like, they have a little, little card they can give you of just like, what's next? What's the next step? Like, just pray with you. 
maybe you don't even know what to say. You're just like, I, I just felt compelled to come up. Sometimes we say this often, there's something happening in our heart. It doesn't make much sense in our head, but there's something happening in our heart. I need to respond to that. So come up. You can like hang to the side if people are occupied, but let's like hold on this moment because these are the moments I found in my life that things pivot. I wanna pray one last time for those folks. God, for the people who are here who want to trust that story. Or sitting here um, just feeling like you are knocking at their door. God, I thank you. Thank you for the work they're doing in their heart, Lord. May we in this moment, those who are aching, struggling and in pain, may we experience and know your voice and find freedom. Those that are so far from you, those that are far from you and want to say yes to the story, will we just raise our hand like just for a moment and just say yes, I say yes, I say yes. God, joy and life found in the story of the empty tomb.